Hey, Housing News listeners, have you heard? Registration is now open for HousingWire's Engage.Talent Summit on February 6th in Dallas, Texas. Join us to learn all about the latest tactics to recruit, develop, and retain the best mortgage origination talent. Visit engage.housingwire.com to register and use promo code HOUSINGNEWS2020 for $100 off. See you in Dallas. Housing News listeners, welcome back to another episode of the Housing News Podcast. This week's episode comes live from our brand new podcast studio. In this interview, HousingWare CEO and President Clinton Collins sits down with Managing Editor Ben Lane, discuss Visa's announced acquisition of technology platform and 2019 HousingWare Tech 100 winner Plaid. The agreement, which represents a total purchase consideration of $5.3 billion, is one of the largest fintech acquisitions in recent memory. But before we listen, Clayton will bring you a word from our sponsor. Hey folks, this is Clayton Collins, the CEO at Housing Wire. And before we get started with this episode of the Housing News Podcast, I want to bring you some knowledge and insight from our sponsor, ArchMI. With interest rates at historical lows, refinances are booming. How do you win this business? It's simple. Lower the MI premium for your borrower. The newest feature of Arch's innovative RateStar platform, the RateStar Refinance Retention Program, makes it possible. Eligible borrowers with loans already insured by ArchMI can refinance into new loans with a lower MI premium payment. Give your refi customers a better deal. If you'd like to learn more about how RateStar powers possibilities, visit archmi.com forward slash refi. The Housing News Podcast is now a member of the Industry Syndicate. The Industry Syndicate has launched a podcast made for mortgage and real estate professionals by mortgage and real estate professionals. Download the app from Apple or Google and join the community today. Thanks for listening. And here's episode 10 of the Housing News Podcast. And we are live coming to you from Housing Wire headquarters in our new podcast studio. And today's episode is a pretty special one. Uh, yesterday, uh, our newsroom uh, broke a story about Plaid being acquired by Visa. Huge fintech acquisition. And uh, I wanted to jump on the, the news cycle and invite Ben Lane, our managing editor, onto the show to talk about this acquisition, talk about the company and the overall fintech M&A landscape. And uh, we'll, we'll likely come back to this conversation in a, in a, in a few different ways in the, in the coming months, but we really wanted to hop on it while the, while the news was fresh and, and talk about the deal. Ben, welcome to Housing News. Hello. Glad to be here. So let's let's kind of start off with the high level on on this transaction. So Visa acquires Plaid for five point three billion. Agrees to acquire. I should agrees say. to acquire. You're not exactly acquired right. Yet. Not so, acquired so this yet. deal is not closed. It is announced, yes. um, which, which we would expect. Visa is a public company. They need to disclose uh, when they go into definitive agreement. Um, but we never know what will, what will what will transpire in the coming months. But five point three in total consideration. That is billion, folks. Five point three billion dollars. Uh, Four point nine cash and $400 million in retention equity for the management team, which is a pretty strong signal that they're not just acquiring the tech or the clients. This team is pretty important. 
And uh, it looks like the founders will be will be staying with the business and and reporting up to the chief product officer at, at Visa. So a lot of details have been really laid out pretty early on in this acquisition. Uh, but before we kind of get any deeper on the deal, uh, Ben, you've been been covering the mortgage world and fintech world. Uh, for the better part of the last decade, uh, six years, you've, you've, you've tipped over that halfway mark. <laughs> Next time uh, we talk about the number, it'll be a 10. Gray hairs uh, in the beard now. Yeah, I can't help yeah. it. Uh, and, and a big part of that um, uh, during your coverage period actually aligns almost exactly with, with Plaid's uh, life cycle. So uh, give us some history on Plaid. Who, who are they? What do they do in the mortgage world? So, yeah, Plaid was founded in 2013. Um, so we've been, I would say, aware of them for probably the last couple of years, three, four years maybe. Uh, they kind of first entered the mortgage space in 2017. They did a deal with Ellie Mae where they were doing uh, basically. So what Plaid does is they basically uh, connect various applications with end users' bank accounts. So when you sign into Venmo or something like that and you're connecting your bank account to that system, Plaid is kind of the engine that connects the bank account. Um, and so they started working with Ellie Mae in terms of uh, asset verification, something like that, and they have been growing in the mortgage space uh, since then. Uh, inked a big deal a few years ago with uh, with Fannie Mae to be part of the Day One Certainty program, so so that uh, they are lenders can use Plaid's program to verify borrowers' assets. So they have a, a growing uh, presence, I would say, in the mortgage space. Um, but this deal you know, turbocharges everything that they have been doing, both in the mortgage space and definitely outside of it as well. So it seems like their involvement in the industry has primarily been at kind of the, kind of the tech partner level. I know we've, we've covered integrations with, with Flowify, Fannie Mae that you just mentioned, Blend, Ellie Mae. Uh, have you seen any uh, kind of direct deals with lenders or is there kind of like their plug into the mortgage world primarily at this this partner level with like the, the LOS and, and POS and, uh, and GSE level participants? Yeah, it seems like that's that's mainly what it is, is, is that they are they serve as kind of the the backbone for these various uh, companies and things, and, and their their assets program, you know, can be used by lenders. It is a, it is approved to be used by Fannie Mae. They didn't uh, they haven't revealed too many of their clients, but I I will say in in the they put out uh, Visa put out a presentation um, yesterday when they announced the deal, and they sort of touched on the various market segments that they feel like they can go and kind of attack now, and. Uh, in the lending segment, they listed off uh, Blend as one of their clients, as well as Quicken Loans as one of their clients. So Quicken okay. Loans is apparently using Plaid's software in some form or another. They didn't they didn't really touch on how much uh, Quicken's using it, but uh, they are definitely using it in some form or fashion. So that's interesting. Yeah, on on that page of the presentation, uh, they all, on their like on their consumer finance lending side, they also mentioned Lending Club, who's a, who's lending directly. Um, and they mentioned service providers like Blend and Navian as well. So it's really interesting. They're kind of they're, they have client verticals both in the uh, in in industry, people who are actually lending money or or making investments or kind of whatever the financial services end market is, and as well as the service providers and tech innovators that that have those pipes as well. Um, I've seen. Uh, blend. I'm, I'm sorry. I've seen uh, Plaid described as a fintech's plumber, and like they're they're building the pipes, which I think is a uh, a, a really 
kind of unique way to describe them. Is that is that kind of how the messaging came across in the the announcement call yesterday? And like, and what was kind of the overall vibe you got from from Visa's uh, senior leadership team or corp dev team or whoever was kind of speaking to the deal on the on the call yesterday? I mean, as you might expect, everyone was very excited about it. Yeah. Uh, they're, they're very they are really excited. One of the things they touched on a lot actually was the uh, was the potential to expand internationally. Uh, Plaid has been, I guess, working to expand internationally. Uh, Visa is obviously all over the world, and they very much view this as an opportunity to expand Plaid services outside the U.S. Um, and you know, they're they're very much viewing them. Visa, I should say, is very much viewing themselves as kind of a um, a processor of payments or a, a processor of money. I mean, even even you know, if you think about it, a credit card transaction is really just sending money from one place to another. So they're they're thinking about this in terms of expanding that vision of sending money from one point to another point to from just beyond kind of a sales transaction to anything else where money is is changing hands, for lack of better terms. So Venmo is is one of Plaid's clients already, and so Visa is now going to, or I should say, when the deal is you know consummated and things are finalized and integrated and all the kind of uh, all the terms that you go through when you go through a deal like this, Visa will be involved in some form or fashion in all of those things, and it gives them a really large view and scope in the kind of payments and money transferring, uh, you know, environment that is growing considerably. So, for, to to my awareness, Visa doesn't really have a an interest or or uh, any type of entry into the the mortgage or, or housing world today. What uh, was the was the mortgage lending vertical kind of mentioned at all in any of the coverage or announcements or or kind of how's how's that positioning work for for our audience who cares most about mortgage and housing? Like, is there is there an impact here? Does this mean Visa's coming into the game, or it's like there's probably other rationales to the acquisition? Yeah, I think. You know, in listening to the investor call yesterday with the executives and everything, there was there was no specific mention of mortgage. They did touch on lending, kind of just in the broader term of of the addressable market that they view within the within lending and you know, uh, banking and consumer payments and the different kind of air, the different market segments that they see themselves operating in. So there wasn't really a specific focus on on mortgages, but I but I do know in kind of reviewing some more previous coverage of Plaid. They did have some pretty ambitious goals in terms of the mortgage space. They wanted to look to get into kind of to helping with servicing, and that could that could be an area that they could uh, expand into. If you think about it again, that's just money going from one place to another place. So there is potential there for Plaid and for Visa when they are again one company to they could get involved in the the processing of money going from from borrower to servicer, for example. That's something that, that that Plaid has touched on in the past, and 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 could be an area that they expand into potentially. Yeah, that's really interesting. I mean, I think there's been a lot of innovation in the in the mortgage industry. A lot of it's been concentrated on the front end in the origination landscape, which it seems where Plaid is plugging in today. Uh, but with Visa's involvement, I mean, that's a, that's a that'd be an interesting storyline to follow. Is there is there a servicing play here? Can they be involved in that the payments ecosystem of making it easier for for homeowners to to make their payments and connect with their servicer? Um, <clears throat> so I think that 
one of the most interesting parts of this deal, or one of the, one of the many interesting parts, are, are the people. Uh, tell us a little bit about the the management team at at, at Plaid. What, what do we know about them? Um, what, what do you think this acquisition means for them? Well, what I thought was interesting is uh, Zach Perret, who was the co-founder uh, of Plaid, is going uh, along with William Hockey, who then who left the company. Or didn't I should say he stepped down as I believe chief operating officer uh, last summer. Um, he's still he's still involved as a board member, but Zach Perret will be coming on and still continuing to manage the company uh, under Visa. So so it's not a, a kind of golden parachute sail off into the sunset kind of a thing. At least not at least in its initial phases. Uh, they as Clayton and I were discussing a little, uh, you know behind the scenes here, folks. Clayton and I were discussing this internally yesterday. Zach is somewhere in the neighborhood of 27 years old and just sold off his company for $5.3 billion. So not bad work if you can get it uh, at 27. Certainly more accomplished than I was at 27, but that's a whole other story for a whole other podcast. <laughs> yeah, Zach is uh, Zach is early in his career, but he has um, run, run very fast on, on, on building this company. Uh, I think he uh, will be very interesting to watch his, his progression. Uh, assuming this transaction closes his progression at Visa, uh, it's got to be pretty difficult going from the the startup environment, and he's been building since he graduated college, uh, to a four hundred billion dollar enterprise value company uh, at Visa. Um, that'll be, I, I believe, Platt is somewhere kind of in the neighborhood of four hundred employees or so. Four hundred and fifty. Four hundred and fifty employees. Yeah. I mean, that's uh, it's going to be a, a probably a culture shock for all. Um, well. Uh, so kind of taking another like kind of look at the the transaction overview and they're they're projecting a close i i think in in three to six months and uh, what i thought was really interesting here is that their visa was pretty transparent on what the acquisition means for their financial profile and uh i know that they they're, they forecasted revenue growth but they were pretty transparent in saying there's going to be some earnings per share dilution um, but it didn't seem to be reflected at all in the stock price. And uh, I mean, I think that's a, a very interesting part of potential acquisitions in the, in the fintech space right now by, by incumbents that are uh, like, like Visa. Um, can you give us any detail on kind of the, the rationale that, that Visa shared on doing a, on a dilutive transaction and like what, what this could mean for how, how this could accelerate their business? Yeah, I think they're very much thinking of it, like I said before, they're very much thinking of it in terms of increasing their scope and scale in the money transferring kind of ecosystem. Uh, the phrase they used a lot yesterday during the call was network of networks. That's very much how they're viewing them themselves and their businesses and the and the, the clients and companies and people they're going to be working with is building a network uh, of interconnectedness between all these different apps on our phones and people making payments and everything else that, that they now have, that they, I guess should say, they will soon have the ability to touch. They're very much looking at themselves as the dominant player eventually within the kind of payment ecosystem. And, and they, uh, and they think that buying plat is a way to get themselves there. I mean, we were talking about this internally as well. You know, there is, there is a choice for companies like this to try and build a technology like this or to go out and buy it. Visa is obviously choosing to go out and buy it. They feel like that's the most efficient way to expand upon their their business of transferring money from place to place. Uh-huh. And do you, I mean, do you think Plaid was Visa's only option on, on a 
types of the financial services industry uh, kind of acquisition list? Like, was there any like kind of viable competition in the uh, in the marketplace? I would say not to the scale that Plaid has. I mean, you look at you simply just look at the client list that they have and the their kind of share of market they have. There, so it's it's interesting in the presentation they charted their account growth uh, in, in terms of the accounts that are linked to Plaid. So it was ten million in twenty fifteen, thirty million in twenty sixteen, seventy two million twenty seventeen, one hundred twenty nine million twenty eighteen, two hundred million plus in twenty nineteen. And I would assume it's just going to continue to to grow as they grow. And that size, I don't think that it exists. I mean, there are there are competitors in the space. Uh, Finicity is one that we that we were speaking about internally, and and there definitely are some competitors in the space that probably even have more of a of a uh, footprint in the mortgage business, in the housing business. But from a pure, you know, bank account financial services con- connectivity standpoint, Plaid's pretty much it. And you know, they saw they saw the big fish and went out and got them. Gotcha. And, and they, like we mentioned in the beginning, that that Mastercard and Visa had made a strategic investment. Um, like was this uh, was this twenty eighteen? What was the timeline on that deal? Uh, I believe it was middle of twenty nineteen. Middle of twenty nineteen. Yeah. So like there's there's clear some interest from the from the payments landscape in in this business long before this acquisition was announced. Uh, I'm I'm really interested to see if we if we hear anything from from Mastercard in the in the coming months. I mean, could they potentially look at, at some of the competition out there? Like, is 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 Finicity or, or Yodely potentially worth a look, or 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 could they come back and could there be more action on this Plaid deal before it reaches the finish line? Yeah, that was the interesting thing about uh, about both Mastercard and Visa investing. They never. <clears throat> They didn't disclose how much they invested. Uh, there was very the the wording of it was very specific. It was strategic investments. They were very kind of uh, coded and, and and protective of how much uh, they were investing in the company. I did think it was interesting that um, that with this when this transaction goes through, Visa will own one hundred percent of the company. So Mastercard will be, you know, is out. Uh, as are all the other investors at that point. So I thought that was interesting, and, and I moderately think, bittersweet for Mastercard then. Right? Yeah, because I mean, they their last valuation, private market valuation, was two point six five billion. So they doubled their valuation correct. going into this deal, but I'm, I'm sure that's not why Mastercard was in it. No, I mean I, I would assume it was very much like Visa did, where they were exp- they did it to explore the the inner workings of of Plaid and everything that they had. I mean it was very much investing as uh, exploratory and and seeing if there is what the uh, what the viability of this kind of program or you know software system is within the credit card and, and payment processing space visa clearly i mean i should say clearly but it appears anyway that visa viewed it as more important than mastercard did mm-hmm. uh, and that's not to say that mastercard doesn't view it as important that there might not be something that they would do similarly in the future yeah so let's, let's talk about the significance of this deal and the overall fintech landscape uh by by my research this is kind of shaping up to be a, a top 10 all-time fintech acquisition. And, uh, and it's, it was kind of, it's interesting that some of the other bigger deals, like uh, the, the biggest of all time being uh, uh, Fidelity Nationals acquisition of, of, of WorldPay at $33 billion, also in that, that payment sphere. Uh, it's interesting, like kind of where the the trend you see in financial services acquisitions. How does this fintech deal kind of line up with other deals that you've seen announced in the in the mortgage landscape in the in the last year or two? Yeah, I, I would say that the dollar figure was 
pretty surprising, I would say, in terms of, uh, you know, it was, uh, when I was looking at it, and I went back and was looking at previous articles about it, and it was exactly twice their previous valuation. So, I mean, they, they paid uh, twice as much as what the company was worth, and that was, or I guess what they were previously viewed to be worth. Uh, that to me was really interesting, and, and that dollar figure was pretty shocking in terms of how much uh, how much Visa is willing to fork over. I mean, it's it's for them, it's not much in the scheme of things. But what four hundred billion, I believe, is mm-hmm. what their uh, their kind of uh, their size. So it's, it's I wouldn't say a drop in the bucket, but it's not. It's uh, it's certainly an easier check than some of us can write. Um, I mean, it's it's roughly a little bit over one percent of their their total enterprise value. I mean, that's a it's a massive fintech deal, but it's a tuck in when you have a four hundred billion dollar enterprise. Value. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, but what I think is interesting though is, and we were talking about this internally uh, yesterday, is that it it this might be uh, the first of many. I think I think it's going to be interesting to watch how this how this kind of landscape plays out over the next year, two years, three years. And, and if we see other big players of, of Visa's size and scope coming in and doing similar deals like this, and whether this ends up being the benchmark that others are based upon, if this is an outlier that Visa paid well above what the market value is, I think that's going to be really interesting to see because as I think as we progress, uh, these kind of larger operators are, are going to – they are going to have to do the, these kinds mm-hmm. of deals if they want to be – if they want to keep playing in this space. I mean it seems like like nobody can deny that we're at a a little bit at a tipping point of going into a pretty aggressive M&A environment um, in, the, in the fintech landscape. And it seems like there's a little bit of like bifurcation. There's the strate- strategic deals like, like this one, like Visa – very much acquiring a capability and making a strategic move for the future of their business. Then you look at the, I think the next largest deal in the, in the housing ecosystem was Toma Brava's acquisition of Ellie Mae uh, last year. And that was uh, valued at 3.7 billion. So kind of nipping on the heels of this plaid deal, but very different rationale. Toma, a private equity firm is a financial buyer. They're, they're buying off of a, a, a revenue number and an EBITDA multiple. And uh, they're very much buying performance. And uh, when you look at the what what Visa is projecting here of uh, kind of non-gap EPS dilution of 100 to 150 basis points, and kind of the the expectation and hope of being accretive to gap EPS by the end of year three, I mean that's a that's a definitely got to be some strategic rationale. They think they can apply this capability and, and, and grow the rest of their business. But kind of back on the, the financial side of the consolidation, so Toma Bodelli, they've already closed a, a big add-on in acquiring Capsulon. And uh, it seems like there's quite a bit of firepower, both on the private equity side and the strategic side, for bringing in capabilities, financial performance, and the prospect of, of future growth. How, how are you thinking about this like consolidation potential? Or uh, I, I'm kind of of the belief there's a lot of deals in the hopper right now that are going to be announced in the coming months. How, how are you thinking of this from a coverage perspective and, and how it may or may not impact our readers, our, our mortgage lenders and real estate professionals that, that listen to housing news and, and read housing wire every day? Yeah, I, th- I think it'll be really interesting to watch how this goes. I think... <clears throat> Uh, as, as Clayton mentioned, I think well, we're going to see more of these deals, uh, you know, the kind of buy versus build um, 
thing that a lot of companies go through when it comes to financial technology and, and just technology in general. Um, I think that a lot of companies will end up buying over building. It's just going to end up being cheaper and faster for them to do that. Uh, now, there's a, there are, there is always the potential for things to go south and things to not work. So we'll, we'll obviously monitor that. And, and, and those things usually aren't seen in, before a period of years. But I think that there's that's definitely something worth monitoring. I think the the idea, or I guess you should say the, the movement of larger operators coming into the mortgage space and potentially buying in in various forms for various reasons, I think it's going to be really interesting. The mortgage business is obviously one that is complex, as we know, and it is uh, interesting and complicated, but also there is the potential for you know a significant financial gain. I mean, there's a lot of money to be made if you do it well. And, and these companies aren't stupid. They didn't get to be as big as they are and make as much money as they did by accident. So if, if they're coming into the mortgage space, if they're coming into the housing space, if they're coming into the fintech space, they're not doing it by accident. And they're not doing it uh, by the seat of their pants. They're doing it with intelligence. And then they're looking at this as an opportunity to, to make money. Visa is a publicly traded company. They're looking at this as a as a shareholder, I mean, they're looking at this as a value play for their shareholders down the road. Like, we think this is going to be good for our business long term. So we will fork over the $5.3 billion happily for the chance that, for what they view as the likely chance that this will be very good for their business long term. And I think that that kind of move will probably happen more as we go forward. Excellent. Well, I think we're going to have a, a few follow-up conversations on on this deal and a, and a, and a few others that uh, will, will likely follow the same vein and, and theme. So, so Ben, thank you for the background today. I'm excited to dig into to more transactions and see how this fintech consolidation wave plays out. Uh, hopefully, it provides some benefit and value to the, the mortgage lenders out there. And uh, But we will keep you updated on, on what to expect. Ben, thank you very much. Thank you. We'll see you all next week. Thank you for listening. Join us next week for episode 11.